So hi, welcome everybody. This is uh, our first uh, podcast with uh, all PETA folks uh, talking about specifically about Asian Pacific Islander and the Desi population around mental health, um, especially in this time of COVID-19. And so we have a bunch of mental health experts from campus joining us today. Uh, along with Chris and I are going to be your moderator. So hi, my name is Bonnie Sugiyama, and I'm the director of the Pride Center and the Gender Equity Center. And Chris, why don't you go ahead and kick us off yeah. as a moderator? Sure. Hi, my name is Chris Yang. Um, my pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm the director of the Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center. All right. Wait, Jenny, you want to go next? Okay. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is uh, Luis Arabit. I'm an assistant professor at the Occupational Therapy Department here at uh, San Jose State University. I'm also a faculty in residence. It is a pleasure to be here and to be invited to be part of this group. Uh, thank you for inviting. All right, which one do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're way too polite. It's so AAPI. Like, it's like everybody is taking a deep breath, like, who's going next? Let's be polite. Let's give space to other people. That's so us. Okay, so I just want to comment on that. It's not because we don't want to talk, it's we are being thoughtful and giving people space. So I'm going to be non-traditional. Okay, so <laughs> I'm Wei Chim. I'm a psychologist on campus with nickname Queen Bee. Um, I'm a mental health professional and uh, I love working with students. Great. Uh, Siley? Hi everyone, I'm Siley Kulkarni. Um, the students call me Dr. K. Uh, I am a special education faculty and also a faculty in residence here on campus. And yeah, excited to be here with everybody. Uh, Christine? Hi, everyone. I'm Christine McCallums. I am a psych psychology faculty in the psychology department. I'm a social psychologist, and I'm also a, a faculty in residence, too. All right, thanks. And Ellen? Hi, everyone. I'm Ellen Lin, also a licensed psychologist um, on campus and counseling and psych services, pronoun she, her. I think uh, somebody's got something playing in the background. I hear going. Oh, it might be me. Hold on. Okay. Oh, it's the TV. It's <laughs> a kid. I was watching TV probably. Um, so why don't we just go around? Um, let's just do the same order so that we know who's talking uh, and uh, talk a little bit about more about your, your background and why you became involved with, with mental health issues specifically and supporting, um, supporting students on, on camp on, you know, specifically on at SJSU. So Lou, you want to start us off? Oh, sure. So um, as an occupational therapist, uh, I actually, we work with, there's an, a mental health component that we do um, uh, and definitely uh, what we're experiencing currently is really providing a lot of what we call occupational deprivation and uh, occupational imbalance for many people. And that is causing a lot of stress uh, given this pandemic. 
And of course, mental health is really part of what we do. Our roots in occupational therapy is uh, well entrenched in, in mental health. We started in mental health. And uh, you know, when, when uh, um, the soldiers were returning from the war, um, we were, we were uh, there to uh, help them, um, um, provide them with activities so they can be um, mentally ready to uh, return to society. So yeah, so I really, uh, I'm very interested in, in um, looking at how this pandemic has really um, affected many of our students, our, our faculty as well. And that's the reason I'm here. Okay, I think I'm the next one and I have nodding from Bonnie and a smile. I like to be encouraged. Thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> Hi, um, again, my name is Wei Chen. Uh, I am an immigrant from Taiwan. I came here to the United States to study for something about trees. And I got involved in mental health because the best way to save trees is save human beings. And mental health is something to talk about. And but it's hard to talk about. I can tell you that my students are so proud of me. I always look at the subtle Asian mental health Facebook group. And because there are so many things, it's a taboo and we need to talk about it. And uh, I don't know what else I need to talk about, but I'm just going to shut up and go to the next person. So yes, hi again, I'm Siley. Um, I am in the special education department. And so my role is really more sort of the intersections of disability and mental health. And um, so I've sort of come to this from a different, maybe a slightly different lens, but we do know that mental health and disability do intersect um, oftentimes. And so, um, my, um, you know, kind of work and also the, the things that I, I research and also um, sort of live, right, are these intersections of disability and race. Um, and so thinking about how, you know, minoritized populations um, embody disability and then also, you know, especially in this current time, right, with COVID-19, you know, how disability is sort of um, taking shape and also how people with disabilities are sort of like living the day to day. Um, we do know, right, that a lot of people with disabilities um, have sort of craved the access that sometimes comes from online media. And so it's, it's I think, even more important now to kind of listen to disabled voices and, and folks who have been sort of living or embodying these types of um, differences for, for a long time. Um, and so, you know, I'll sort of comment on that whenever we have a more discussion about it. <laughs> Great, thanks. Um, for me, I think I, part of it is uh, a lot of my research has been on like cross-cultural differences between Asians and European Americans, and I think it's well established in the cross-cultural literature um, how much stigma and mental health has among Asian populations. Uh, and in this recent climate, I think there's a lot of evidence that uh, pandemics like this, and spe specifically the quarantining and the sheltering in place uh, measures in place can be really bad for mental health. So uh, based on past studies of how bad it's been in response to um, SARS and uh, MERS and other kinds of viruses, uh, I think we should you know, talk really honestly and seriously about what that looks like and what that means and how to deal with it, right? So strategies to help cope um, if people are struggling with anxiety or depression or you know, PTSD or, or whatever else they might be um, dealing with, I think it's, it's really, helpful to, to sort of confront it head on and maybe talk about resources that students can use um, right now, even during, you know, shelter in place so that they can, can 
maybe use to like help their help their own mental health um, and help them cope. Thanks. So um, I came to working with students because I wish that I knew about counseling services when I was going through um, college myself, being a first generation college student as well as first generation immigrant um, from Taiwan. It, mental health and emotions were not talked about at all from my family or people around me. And so I specifically wanted to work in at San Jose State as well for the diversity on campus and the um, in, in many ways actually in diversity and um, yeah so excited to um, have the discussion and um, yeah looking forward to everyone's um, contributions. Great thanks everybody. So I'm gonna we're gonna go reverse now. So Ellen's gonna be the first one to answer this question. So uh -oh. just, I just give you a heads up. <laughs> so what types of support, or sorry, what is you, what, how has your role now shifted um, to support students? So now we're all, you know, working remotely. How has your role shifted and how you're supporting students and what are you currently seeing, like seeing people struggling with? So yeah, obviously um, we're all providing services through telehealth. So um, depending on students' uh, choices, most of them are opting for Zoom at this point. Um, I have a couple who prefer only phone calls um, because of actually their uh, anxiety around being on screen and being seen that way. And so that's a whole other um, realm and aspect that um, that's probably not as talked about as much. Um, but a lot of students, uh, you know, every session now is just on adjusting. And just the first couple of weeks have been students talking about obviously adjusting to conversion of this for all their classes. Some of them are, are back at home um, and some of them, that home environment is not a very supportive environment and they don't have privacy to be on counseling at times. And so that's been challenging. I've had some students who are calling me and getting on Zoom in their car and that's not very private um, and the reception is not great. So it's been a lot of like just adjusting technologically, but where they're at both physically and emotionally. So that's a, it's a whole spectrum. And it's been like this for the last three weeks, like every session is, okay, how are you doing? And here's the, here's the new thing that I'm adjusting with. Here's a new thing that I'm trying to figure out how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, one of the, the things I'm trying to do as a faculty member is to just be more accommodating when students are uh, maybe not turning in work as promptly as they would be otherwise, or if they need extensions or have other kind of extenuating circumstances, um, and to just try to be as understanding as possible. So I know every faculty does it differently in terms of like their policies around coursework and assignments. Um, and I haven't made any like broad policy changes, but I'm just trying to sort of like make case by case, you know, evaluations for when students reach out and say, you know, they need an extension or they need, or they try to explain why they haven't um, turned something in. And I think the biggest thing I'm seeing is a shift in engagement, not necessarily in overall like engagement, but just like how it looks. 
So I'm pleasantly surprised that like attendance is about the same across all my classes, like the same number of people who show up in person are still showing up online, which is great. But I do notice that this, there's stark differences in who's participating. <laughs> um, so like, the people who used to participate the most in person are not participating at all you do. And I'm not quite sure what to do about that. Um, granted, other people are participating, which is great. So I'm glad that like being in this kind of digital format has allowed people who traditionally don't feel comfortable talking in class to feel like they can use a chat function and other things to, uh, to speak up. Uh, but I do worry a little bit about people who I, I assume really like the in-person component and who are not getting that now. And so have decided to sort of disengage from like class discussions that I don't know quite how to reach out to those students quite as much. Um, and and there are cases and there are a few cases where it's you know it, 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 I do see like chronically missing work or not turning it in, um, and I'm not sure how much slack as a faculty member like I can cut in those situations right because the end of the semester is approaching and eventually um, you know GPAs are going to be impacted if if people don't necessarily like turn everything in on time. Um, so I do see that that kind of shift both in engagement and in like work like the productivity of, of, of students doing their work. Um, but I also think it's really understandable, right? Like, I think it's incredibly hard to stay motivated uh, during this time when, you know, you can't, like, it's hard to even tell one day different from the next. So I can understand why under these situations, it would be really hard to stay on top of like schoolwork and, and everything else, given all the stuff that's going on. So multiple things going on and I, I'm still figuring out myself too. Yeah, I think it's been, I mean, it has been like a balance, not only for, I think, our students, but for us too. And the shift has definitely been um, a little bit of a struggle. Um, I would have to say our, our students are troopers, really speaking. You know, I work with um, teachers, right, K-12 teachers who are trying to deliver special education services online, which is not easy at all. Uh, many of my students have kids. Many of them have jobs, right? There's all this stuff going on. Um, and they're really just trying to like, you know, keep everything together. So they, I mean, they're really troopers. Like they have, I've been really fortunate, I think, to have students reach out um, when they're struggling and like, we'll try to figure out, you know, what, what we can do to support them from a distance, right? Because it's so hard to do it when you're not physically able to do it, right? Um, but yeah, it's just been, I think the shift, the biggest shift has been trying to, you know, balance um, some of the work that we do in education, right? To support, um, um, the folks who are teachers who are trying to transition into this online mm -hmm. teaching world. So in, in my role as a sort of a teacher educator or as teaching faculty, um, just kind of trying to make sure that I'm supporting them as they're, you know, transitioning. So, you know, what kinds of online sources they can use for their K-12 classrooms, um, which have, yeah, all become digital now. Um, but then, and other, you know, than that, I think it's it's created definitely a little bit of, um, in some ways, you know, they say like, right, it's like, you know, we're socially distancing, but we're actually just like physically distancing, right? Because like socially too, I get to like, you know, be in the homes of my students, which is something that we, you know, don't do very often, right? You get to see their backgrounds and their kids and their dogs and cats. And, you know, it, there's like, there's that sort of richness that has, you know, sort of become like a joy um, in all amidst all the sort of the chaos of all of this um, is that we are sort of in some ways becoming closer. Like I have eight master's students right now and we you know check in every week i you know i got like birth announcements and like family stuff and you know it's just it's been really nice i think even though it's been tough i think you know everybody is really trying their best to hang in there the best that they can 
Um, and, you know, just trying to reach out whenever they can to, to ask for support. Um, we're trying to, you know, set up funding for students, hardship mm -hmm. grants and so forth in our college. Um, and just trying to make sure that everyone's kind of taken care of the best that we can. So, oh, okay, no. Don't worry, you, if you're ready to go, Luis, go ahead. No, no, go, go away, Chen. <laughs> okay, if my cut is like, you almost say go away, Chen, I'm leaving. Okay, <laughs> go. <laughs> This illustrates actually Zoom meetings very, very contextual dependent. And one of the things I see the role change of my role change is that instead of the role of being a provider who knows, who use a familiar language, I mean, human language instead of digital language, instead of using those language to provide treatment, I think the key role shift is becoming an anchor because overflow of information, high anxiety, and people lack of digital skills. Digital skill does not mean we can use Facebook or Instagram. I know most students don't even use Facebook. That's what my student told me. But it's more like, how do we connect? How do we overcome that digital hunger of human connection? Mm -hmm. That's one. Second part is that psychology, we do have a lot of rich information about how to get through quarantine, how to get through that loneliness. <clears throat> However, so my role become, instead of saying, hey, we need to focus on this, it's more like, here the knowledge, how do we apply this to adapt to current situation? So it's a new, one thing I tell students that is that we are learning a brand new language about learning, about communicating, about how to express our emotions through the digital world. So it's a lot of trying to stay afloat helping students to stay afloat when you have 500 emails, you have instant messages, you have a hundred webinars you need to take. So that's what I see I'm trying to do and my role has changed that way. I guess it's my turn. So I, I, uh, I think my role has also shifted in this transition. I agree with both Wei Chen and also with Saili that there is indeed a, a real struggle between, you know, for both students and, and faculty. But I also see the students as being, um, as what Saidi said, uh, uh, troopers, or for me, I think they're resilient. You know, there's some resiliency with our students and, and they're, you know, despite the, the changes that are happening right now and the, the change from online, from a classroom to an online platform, I think a lot of them are really, really, Besides the struggle, I think a lot of them are really trying very hard and they're very resilient and I, and I like that. You know, I, I currently teach about three practice courses and that has been quite a challenge for me, but a good one as I, I'm also on a learning curve, you know, as a faculty with the new technology. Just imagine instructing students with material that are supposed to be practical hands on, you know, like picture this like moving a scapula, you know. So I have managed to transition most of my classes into an online platform, have been do, using you know, video conferencing uh, classrooms with my students. I do both uh, synchronous and asynchronous sessions, although I do prefer the synchronous sessions because I, I get to interact with the students live, especially if they have any specific questions on, on the subject matter. But I also have to be mindful or extra mindful of 
my own uh, teaching style, you know. Um, I'm also have to be, you know, in a virtual environment. That's what I meant. And to also ensure that my students are maximizing their learning. And this could mean probably additional comments or reflections from students that I might require that are also ungraded, just to make sure that I have that feedback from them that they're also learning. So um, as an instructor, I think we have to really support the students and be a little bit more lenient, I think, at this time. Um, I'm also very conscientious and concerned about how my students are learning because in my field, just imagine they will become future therapists, future occupational therapists who will be working with the most vulnerable populations. So as an instructor, I believe it's my duty to continue delivering the highest and the best teaching methods and, and learning strategies at this time for all my students given the pandemic climate we are experiencing while also maximizing the current university supports we might have. So that's about it. Great, thanks everybody. Uh, so this next question, I don't know if everybody has an, has an answer for it. So we'll, we'll do a popcorn for it. So what kind of supports are you currently offering to students right now? Well, I think the most obvious one is that like, I, and I feel like students know this, but I feel like um, Zoom office hours should be like easier to go to now. <laughs> I feel like before the current, before the shelter in place, like I didn't get that many people in office hours. And it's, it's you know, a running joke in my department that like no one seems to understand that office hours is very good for your GPA. Um, but I feel like now, like it's pretty much the same going to office hours is going to class. Like either way, you're just clicking on a link. <laughs> Oh, and I keep on reminding my students like, hey, office hours are still going on, even though no one's in their office. So I feel like students should be like taking more advantage of, of this now because it really now they don't have to like make special time to like go somewhere or do something like they can literally just click on a link now and they can talk to us like, you know, um, to, about, you know, their assignments or their projects or, or, or you know, their futures <laughs> now that it's mm -hmm. uncertain. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest uh, thing and I think now it's probably easier to schedule office hours too. Like I know a lot of faculty who are offering like way more office hours outside of <laughs> later on too because they're from working from home now, so they can literally meet you, you know, later on in the day, um, or in an extended hours um, rather than just like you know in the middle of the day or like during normal business hours, right? So um, I think that's probably the biggest resource that like now if you want to talk to a faculty member, it's much easier and much more feasible, and and the hours are probably much more flexible. So a lot of my uh, students have, because um, you know, many of them are teachers now and working with you know K twelve students, um, have with their own you know teacher networks sort of created you know like these Slack groups, um, and so I became familiar with Slack after you know we started going online and I started to create like Slack channels for my different classes and that has been really helpful because then they can direct message me, they can post resources for their colleagues and so we actually have like. A couple channels going for our different classes where they can post resources. I can post resources. Um, I let them know about any upcoming, you know, resources for special education, some of the new legislation issues that have sort of come up because of all of this. And then, yeah, any like Santa Clara County, you know, resources that might be relevant to them. Um, and not all of them live here in San Jose. So like, um, you know, we'll post things from East Bay, you know, on down basically. Um, but it's just, it's become a nice way for us to kind of share information with each other um, remotely since we can't meet in person. 
I'm going to look at Ellen. <laughs> we both come from counseling services. And uh, so the service we are providing students, we continue with counseling, with crisis, with assessment. So everything is continue. It's through telehealth, it's through secure Zoom. And another thing we continue doing is the workshops life skill workshops and some groups, discussion groups are still going on. And we are exploring different things. For example, we are collaborating with student academic affairs. They have a serious workshop called Student Lingo and we are having student panel to review it and to recommend it to see how it goes. On the other hand, uh, we are trying to explore because all the Zoom fatigue and all the research on telehealth. So we are trying to explore what may be some more meaningful and less burdensome way for students to feel connected and supported. Hopefully that is now one more link. Hopefully it's a community building. So that's what I know. And I'm going to look at Ellen. And Ellen, can you add something? Is there anything I missed? Well, I'm thinking more individually, actually, and um, I, I should also mention the pivot that I did for my workshop series. Um, I am um, offering one that's actually going to start tomorrow. It's available through Eventbrite, um, a registration for resilience during this time particularly a lot of students struggle with anxiety and some of our students who have a tendency of um, not just perfectionism, but really high expectations. And they're really having a hard time trying to accomplish so many different things while they're adjusting to multiple la layers of too much information and too many things to learn and family expectations and not understanding. And so, trying to remind them just to be more compassionate with themselves and what else to bring in and, and helping them get through this period. It's my turn. So I, I think there are many supports that are available to students at, at our university, as well as specific to some departments. At least in my department, we offer students uh, general scholarships to help um, offset the current financial hardships they might be having. Um, however, they have to apply for these scholarships. Uh, and these scholarships are generally, they're, they're titled scholarships, but we open them up, them up to become general scholarships. And we're sort of like, we are very attentive to our students to ensure that, you know, these funds or these scholarships are used for like supplementing probably their rent or uh, for food purposes, or even just to pay their internet for to continue on with their, with their uh, classes. I know the university itself has two scholarship opportunities for graduate students. So that might be something that might be interested, interesting for graduate students. Like they have the graduate equity fellowship that they award um, every year to a grad student that is enrolled within the current academic year. And that's usually funded by the CSU Chancellor's Office. Uh, there's also the other scholarship called the Berta Calm Scholarship that awards six scholarships uh, amounting to 7,500 each to, to each grad student also. Um, 
There's also um, a university support for uh, a website called the SJSU Student Crisis Support Fund. So students might wanna look into that as well. And also other additional scholarships that are listed at the SJSU Academic Works. These are the things that I've found um, um, on, uh, on our website. There's also, uh, I think I mentioned already the San Jose State University Cares. Uh, actually those scholarships or those funds rather are, are for students who are experiencing unforeseen economic crisis. Yeah. Yeah, the, the SJSU CARES program is really, uh, really important too. So like any faculty staff member can, um, can uh, re recommend somebody for that program. So it's really easy to go fill out their form online and any student can, can also fill out that form for themselves or even like a friend that they have um, that, they're, that they're seeing is struggling. Uh, SJSU CARES does not see who submitted the form um, they'll just reach out to the to the person that's listed on the form and and just ask them if they, uh, you know, call them up and, and ask them if they need any assistance and we'll do an intake with them and, and try to figure out any sort of programs that they have available to to help students. So it's a really great program. I highly encourage people to to utilize that program. Mm -hmm. So the next question that we have uh, for our panel is: What suggestions do you have for staying healthy? whether that be mentally, socially, social, emotionally, physically uh, during this time. We know that it's, some students, it's hard to do any of these things because of the certain circumstances they might be in. They might not be in a safe home. They might be you know, struggling with, with school. They might be you know, previously struggling with mental health and then this is exasperating it. So um, what, are some, what are some suggestions that you all have um, for helping folks to either stay healthy or kind of manage, um, manage their health um, in a positive way. Is this popcorn or? Yeah, know? we'll just go popcorn now. I can start. So as an, as an occupational therapist, I'm very attuned to people's emotions. And of course the realization of what we call, uh, I mentioned earlier, occupational deprivation and isolation, um, occupational imbalance and disruption caused by this pandemic. Uh, research has shown that occupational engagement is linked to positive well-being quality of life. It's just one of our underlying philosophies in, a, in my profession, that engagement in meaningful occupations or what we call activities of daily living, those activities that occupy our time and lives are important for our own physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. So when these are disrupted, as in the term occupational disruption, there is, of course, a lot of stress that causes all these health issues. And right now people are sheltering in place and are or cooped up in their homes, if you may. And this alters people's daily routines and habits and, and can cause a lot of stress. So I would say a good first suggestion is to be intentional. So number one that I feel that's very important is really establishing a daily routine to maximize your health and well-being. And the reason behind this is we create some sort of a predictability in our day so as to decrease our stress levels. You know, as human beings, we are, as we call it in occupational therapy, as occupational beings, we are programmed to look forward to the set of uh, daily activities we do on a daily basis. So, you know, try getting out, doing your own self-care activities, probably for the first few weeks, you're going to school, um, 
in your online pajamas or you're grieving the loss of what's normal or what we know it. Therefore, uh, you know, we have to create this sort of like temporary normal for now. I refuse to think that this is a new normal and I'm more of an optimist and this is the reason I say this, but do your normal daily self-care activities. I mean, you know, like shower in the morning, get dressed, put your makeup on. Uh, if you put your makeup, uh, put your tie on, work, wear your work shoes or your school shoes. If you're actually, like you're actually going physically to your, to your school or your office. And this can be part of your daily routine that you can be doing every day so that life continues on, you know? This is very important for our health and well-being. That's just one of the things that I, I mean, I wanna, I don't wanna like hog everything. So I wanna turn it to the next person because there's a lot. Yeah, I agree with Louis. I think there's a lot of things. And I think that's a really important one is to try to establish some sort of routine um, for yourself, some sort of structure in amidst all the chaos to try to find, you know, whatever kind of space that you can carve out for yourself that way. I think it's also important to, um, if you can, and if you are able to get um, some sort of physical exercise, um, there are a ton now of these online streaming services that will provide yoga um, and some sort of, you know, like exercise where you don't necessarily need a bunch of equipment. You just need maybe a mat on the floor. Um, you know, I carve out like my little tiny table space and just like, you know, set up a little bit of time for some yoga or meditation. And I think it, it really does help, I think, to have just a little bit of something, you know, that you're doing physically um, just to get you out of your seat, to get you moving, um, whether, you know, that is like a home exercise program or maybe it's a walk or maybe it's just like, you know, taking your dog for a walk around the street or it's going, you know, for a walk um, just to get a little bit of vitamin D. Um, I think some sort of like physical activity is just really going to help um, improve your mood um, as best, you know, you can during this time. And, you know, if it's a routine, it, again, it creates that sense of predictability for you. Um, yeah, I have a friend who, um, and I can post this link too, but every Wednesday she's doing a, a yoga, a free yoga, um, and it's for people of color um, specifically. And so it is for our Asian American community as well um, that I can, yeah, I can share, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a free visual virtual streaming service. So things like that, I think, um, you know, are, are available at least like uh, for free online. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Christina. Right, go ahead. Christine. No, you can go ahead. Okay. So um, I'm just going to talk to the language I usually talk to students. <laughs> okay. First of all, know that you're normal. Okay. This is the part I tell students, students always like, oh my God, that is so true. At this time of quarantine, you're supposed to have distorted reality, meaning that you lost sense of time, how much food you eat, how much TV you watch, how much time you're on the internet, or how much time you have not moved. You're supposed to have that. Secondly, you're supposed to have irritability. You have no idea where that comes from. Your cat may seem horrible and your cat may smell. And that's that, and also, you will worry about a lot of different things because uncertainty. We have research to back it up, but that's boring. Okay, so that's one. Second thing to think about is that, okay, so you know you're normal. So the second thing I want to talk about is that people say structure, 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 be productive. It was like, huh? Okay, 
Structure means that this is why I tell people you need to set seven alarms a day. Because human beings, we don't do things by plan. We do things by having something to remind us. For example, Bonnie has cat, so, or cats. Okay, so Bonnie may wake up at six because the cats give Bonnie the structure to wake up. So when people talk about structure, that's the structure. Finally, please do not think about productivity. Okay, so this is what I tell people about and research can back you up and back us up. So productivity comes by social cue and human interaction. Quarantine Zoom is like we are eating potato chips for dinner. Yeah, it's crunchy, it's great. But after eating it, you feel deprived and tired and stuffed. So productivity is really hard to get up. So focusing on finding fun, focusing on doing what you need to do. And finally, this is the part I was asking a student to watch the movie Cast Away by Tom Hanks again, not the whole movie. <laughs> Just the part that has Tom Hanks, you know, mark every day. This is a long, arduous, isolating process, even when you are in family. Asian Americans tend to feel most lonely at home. So you need to find a way, I say, print a hundred pages or just mark somewhere. Every day you go through is a victory. Even you sleep through it, even you feel, just have energy to talk to somebody and just do that a day. Do the marker because this is a long process. Okay. Um, I was gonna uh, add on to that because I think it's it's good to remind ourselves that like now is probably not the time to have really high productivity goals. <laughs> but I do think it's helpful to do things that don't necessarily require that aren't really like productivity per se, but that do like feel make us feel like we're getting somewhere. So like. When I don't have the productivity to write, I'll like do my, like I'll read because reading is both like distracting and I feel like I'm doing something semi-important and useful where it's just not just like Netflix all day long. So I feel like there's like mid-level goals you can set where it's not really like, you're not really like producing a lot of stuff, but you are doing things that like, and like Asaili mentioned, like, you know, exercising, like things that are like semi-enjoyable, like reading, exercising, whatever, taking a walk outside. And that make you feel like you're being a good person, you're doing things that are good for you and yet don't require like a whole lot of concentration, focus and energy that none of us have right now. So I think like finding those things that bring you joy, but that's also like healthy and helpful in the long run so that we're not all just like sitting in front of a computer like munching away all day long. I think those things are the things like I try to remind myself to do. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure the, the, the like psychologists on the panel can speak more to this, but, you know, I, I know there's like a variety of like apps out there that if you do have, if you do need that extra like help to keep you like occupied, I know there's like meditation apps and mindfulness apps. I mean, there's a bunch of even apps um, on like, you know, like anxiety coach, right, to, to help you like journal and to log your thoughts and to sort of keep track of like what's going on in your head and to, to hopefully give you some kind of structure to help you like deal with it um, like if you can't see a therapist right away or if you can't get a, a telehealth appointment right away it might be nice to have these like outside sources to help you keep track of like okay what am I thinking and, and where, where are the pitfalls in the way that I'm thinking or or to keep a journal of that in that kind of way to like help us process our, our feelings and our emotions and what we're dealing with so, so yeah I think everything that people have said so far have been all things I endorse too.
Yeah, Ellen, go ahead. Yeah, let me just add, um, I agree with what everyone else has said so far. And I'm gonna add the component about working with and, and acknowledging some um, Asian American students, depending on their background and, and their family history, they may come from trauma and they may come from a lot of um, difficult struggles already. And so there may already be some initial struggles with anxiety and worry, which is very effective and very good in helping them get through and survive. And, but when this also hits at the same time on for everybody, but it could add to what they already struggle with. And so kind of like what Wei Chen said, just to remind them that it's okay, if this makes sense, that what, what you're doing. And a lot of them tend to, um, because it feels very overwhelming, um, a lot of them tend to withdraw and family may not understand because family are sort of in their own worries and survival mode. And so I talked to them about the difference between withdrawal and distracting versus whether they, they're trying to accomplish or are they trying to relax? And, you know, there's so many different suggestions out there that I think for, for some of our Asian American folks, um, when they have that added trauma, I try, you know, like some folks have already said, yes, there, there's a physical component because our, 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 body is made, our human body is made in such a way to respond and to try to keep us safe, right? And that could be frozenness at times, that could be the excessive worries and our thoughts are just running all the time. And so distraction could sometimes work. I also find that a lot of students are having a hard time sleeping now. And so I get really basics to like, don't study in your bed. Try to mm -hmm. set up a workstation that's separate than your bed and study away from your bed. And um, But also incorporate, again, like some folks have said, being outdoors and actually moving your body, doing th different things, like be in nature, especially to kind of help calm their mind. And I often will start to lead actually a mindfulness practice in the session, in addition to referring them to apps like Insight Timer and, and Calm and such. And so I think a lot of them are just like, it, it, at this point, you know, it could be just getting to the basics of day to day, wh what's the next thing to do. Bonnie, this is Louie. I'd like to add something to that. I, yeah, I also, uh, I believe in what uh, Ellen was saying also, but just to add to it, uh, social media, there's a lot of information on social media out there. Some may can be very interesting, some can be very confusing, some can make you angry. There's just too much, you know? So what I'm thinking is that, you know, um, we need to focus on what everyone was saying already is, is correct, but what we need to focus on are the things that we can control. I think there's so much news we are taking in using social media. Um, how many times are you on social media checking on the pandemic news, right? Everybody's doing that. I mean, I get all these information. I don't even know, you know, what to do with them. You know, do I believe them? Is it fake news? <laughs> so I, for me, a good rule of thumb is probably to spend one or two times a day to check up on the news and, um, and also look at probably more reputable sources such as the CDC or Centers for Disease Control or uh, uh, the World Health Organization. But really, you know, we should really focus more on, on um, uh, 
uh, what we can control and not be too hyper-focused on, on the threats because the threat is real. You know, I find that the threat is real. It's out there, but you know, we can, we can uh, focus on what we can control and not what we cannot control. That should minimize the stress for, for most students and for most Asian Americans as well. So. I have some more things to add. Yeah, so okay. this time I'm going to be serious. <laughs> so um, just background information is that, first of all, this is, I'm talking directly to student, is that willpower is a limited back. So you will be tired making decisions to do the right thing every day. That's the first thing to remember. Okay, so this is the time that your willpower is limited and that's first. Second thing is that meditation, some people, maybe you and I, will have different reaction. Like, oh my God, I'm so anxious after meditation. Nothing's wrong with you. It's just like somebody like prime ribs, somebody like hot dog. So people have different reactions. The most important thing is that you find out, like everybody else say here, find out what's worked best for you. So, yeah, all right. And I know like a lot of my students, it's, you know, we, we've been doing groups and stuff and, um, you know, we try to, we try to focus and create a space where people can talk about what they're going through, but then we also try to create a space where people can talk about some of the good things that have happened so they can have something, you know, good to kind of hold on to and, and not to just focus and dwell on, on negative thoughts because you can really easily spiral into negativity. Um, so it's good to have a group to check in with, but it's also good to have a group that you can check in with where you can experience, you know, small things of joy, like a Marie Kondo and be like, what sparks joy for you? Um, you know, and, and, you know, kind of focus and, and think about some of those small things that you can do that are within, you know, sometimes, uh, not necessarily within your control, but with like that are around you that you, that you can do, um, you know, is it, is it, you know, watching it, like looking at memes that you like, is it, you know, watching some videos that you like of your favorite actor, um, doing those kinds of small things, you know, to, to help you, you know, either distract you or make you just make you feel, feel good for some, for some small moments. Um, so what are some, this is kind of similar questions. So, you know, we might have some overlapping things or we can just move on to the next question. That depends on what you all want to do as a panel, but what strategies or ideas do you have for creating wellness and, and balance in, in, in the everyday of what we're experiencing right now? My first thought is uh, what's wellness and balance? <laughs> Yeah, no, I no, that's that's real. You know, that's one of those questions that you know people have now is is you know instead of like work life balance, is it work life integration? Are either of those things real or valid? And you know, so take the take the language with a grain of salt. You know, re recreate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh wait, and you're uh, you're muted. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm back. Um, okay. So sorry, I'm going to take the first hit. Um, so balance, I would say I allow myself to cry. 
I allow myself to fear. There will be time. I mean, I was sharing with my student last week, there was two hours I was sitting in my car crying because I fear that I may not able to see my mom again. Far away, I fear for my student. I also hear that um, national crisis hotline number increased 800%. Yeah. So for me, the balance to me is I'm, I'm honoring my reaction and telling myself that I cannot solve all the problems. I really can't. And I also talk to my cats. I don't have a Wilson like in the movie Cast Away. I do talk my dog and cats and, um, and I think it's normal. And I sometimes go to garden, just weed. I'm fortunate to have garden to weed. And on the other hand, I have times, for me, the balance is that I do things that I consider productive, meaningful. And one thing about Asian American that's, is that suffering is meaningful. We're doing this for the greater good. And so we have to find, I try to find my meaning of doing everything. And when I don't think about meaning, I watch silly movies. That's my answer. I, I can start next. I mean, I think I, I mentioned this earlier, um, you know, creating and establishing a daily routine, maybe using a calendar is important for um, wellness and, and creating balance for your, um, uh, for your work week or your school week. It's also, I think, important to eat a well-balanced and uh, you know, healthy meals. At this time, eat more vegetables, I guess, or fruits. I've been doing that a lot right now because we have a tendency to become more sedentary at this time. Um, I try to avoid alcohol as much as I can, or I don't smoke, but those are like not really, it doesn't balance your life very well. Um, someone mentioned earlier about sleep, um, and sleep is, is really very important as well. Um, uh, and to lull yourself to sleep, you have to like uh, create that, you know, like a certain time in your day to balance yourself again yeah, um, when, uh, when it's the best time for you to sleep. And that could be probably turning off your cell phones at a certain time or um, uh, avoiding, you know, the blue light, as they call it, with all these technology that we're having. And, and creating a, a sleeping pattern that's, that's very important for you. Um, and this is also a good time probably to call some loved ones, you know, maybe FaceTiming them. Um, uh, I also like, you know, for me, uh, creating balance is also giving to other people. And there are people that are isolated as well and not thinking about yourself, you know, and thinking about other people. You know, I call on a couple of elderly people and just to check up on them to see how they are doing. And, they really, really enjoy that I, you know, call them and to check, and they live alone and just to check up on how they're doing. So, yeah, these are these are very important things to um, um, to incorporate, you know, in in our own wellness and our own health, mental health and balance. I'll say too that I definitely, I honor what uh, Wei Chen was saying earlier, right, about like being okay with not being okay. Um, and I think that it's okay to just not be okay um, and to take time to kind of honor that feeling and to just kind of sit with it a little bit too. Um, and, you know, know that, you know, like, like that everyone is going through that feeling. And, and I think, you know, sometimes there, 
especially within like our Asian American and Asian communities, right? There's this, you know, stigma, right? Of mental health and like, oh, you're supposed to like pretend that everything's okay when it's not. Um, and I think it's important to kind of, you know, realize that, you know, we all kind of are going through this together and that, and I'm hoping, you know, that that stigma is sort of falling away a little bit because people are talking more about mental health, they're talking more about disability and starting to like bring some of those issues to the surface a little bit more. Um, I don't know if my CAPS people <laughs> agree or not, but, um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, I think it's, it's important to kind of sit with, you know, feelings that you have and like, you know, feel like it's okay to cry or it's okay to, you know, like reach out to people if you're feeling like you're alone and, um, you know, you need to talk to somebody, right? Like it's just that feeling of being okay with not being okay. Yeah, let me let me add to that too. I, I think again, I agree with what everyone else has said. I I am allowing myself, kind of like what Witches said too. I'm allowing myself, not necessarily. I, I'm not I'm not a uh, a huge crier, but I am sleeping a lot more, <laughs> and I'm allowing myself to to sleep a lot more. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, very good. And I'm reaching toward my for my sugars. <laughs> I'm running low now, running low on my my dark chocolate. Um, so I'm a little uh, reluctant <laughs> to head to the market at this point, but uh, I have to very soon. <laughs> um, but I also am starting to. I mean, not not starting. I've done this before, but I am literally saying hello out loud to the birds and the squirrels. <laughs> And I tell my my um, my students and clients that as human beings, we're very social beings, and this is really uh, and and a lot of our students um, grew up in such a technological environment that I agree with Louise with you know limiting your social media, but a lot of times that's what they're telling me. That's how they're connecting with people. So what I tell them is, as as social beings, there's there's something about humans and having eye contact. So I really encourage them at this point to do the visual connections and not just the phone calls, not just the, the you know the messaging and chatting at this point, um, because we are so limited and isolated at this point. I really want to encourage them, and you know some of them will have anxiety around that because that's not what they're used to. They they you know they don't call people anymore. <laughs> they just chat. Um, so I talked to them about you know what it means to connect with people, to have that social support, and what that looks like. Um, in addition to their own, you know, allowing themselves to kind of just to be at, at times. Yeah, and there's ways to kind of control some of that feed too. So if you're connecting through your friends, um, say through, um, say through Twitter, like you can create like special lists so that you're not seeing all the COVID news and maybe your list is like, oh, these are all my friends. And so this is what I'm going to look at. Mm -hmm. And this is how I'm going to control, um, you know, have some control over like what, what media that I'm consuming. So it's just your, your friends feeds that, that you're going to see. 
So there are some things that you can that you can set up and do that. I'm not as familiar with Instagram. I know many more students are on Instagram. I'm sure there are, there are ways to do that there to only look at certain things. Plus, mostly Instagram is mostly people just sharing their their friends' photos and and, and all that. Mostly, I think it's food pictures right now because that's what people are taking. Um, you'll get less news necessarily on Instagram, um, but it's it is a good platform to be able to connect connect with folks. Um, one thing uh, I read an article the other day, and it was about instead of like talking specifically about how to cope with the present, it was like saying like, we should also consider what life post the shelter in place lifting will be like and that slow transition back and how to deal with that slow transition. Cause as, as everyone has pointed out, it's probably not gonna be like a switch. It's gonna probably be like a fairly slow drawn out process. Um, the, an article I read said something to the effect of like prepare to be, to be gaslit or gaslighting. And it was essentially saying that like I think it's really easy at this point, and especially as things start to open up, um, to really try to like deal with anxiety by like consuming things that'll make us feel better without necessarily dealing with underlying issues. So the, the article is specifically saying like, you know, be prepared because like once once restrictions do start lifting, like every like company and business out there is gonna try to say like, we're gonna make it all go away. We're gonna like make everything better if you just, you know, buy this, do that. Um, and I think, that was something that was really interesting because I haven't been thinking too much about like what it'll look like one day when you know we do get to like go outside again or like work sort of resumes um or class resembles a little bit what it used to be like um but I think yeah it's nice to sort of think about like how or I think it might be helpful to think about like when certain restrictions do get lifted like how are we gonna ease our way back and to not be tempted to just do whatever like comes to us like immediately because I think like for me for example I'm just really tempted to like buy stuff and eat stuff and like like do whatever I can to just sort of like ease the the like the monotony of everyday life and I think it's I have to be mindful to be like hey buying more stuff and like doing these kinds of things is not necessarily going to help address any of the like anxiety I might feel or any of those things and so being more mindful of like okay, we're gonna probably get a lot of messages and media about what we can do to like, as consumers to like alleviate any of our stress and to sort of like be prepared for that and to think like, will these things actually solve any of my issues at hand? I think, I don't know. So I think, I think it's helpful to think about especially going forward and to think about things like in the long term. Yeah, companies are probably definitely gonna take advantage yeah, of they're gonna uh, try shopping and, like, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it now. I, they are doing it now. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of ads are like COVID specific now. Exactly. Right, right. I mean, there is the there is a whole, you know, nice thing about supporting local businesses and helping to try to make sure that they stay around. But then yeah, there's <laughs> there's the hounding in other ways of the capitalist machine that's happening. Uh so we're on to like our final question. I don't know if we have any audience questions. Not none yet. So what are ways that um, students can access resources. Um, you know, people are struggling with like the day-to-day -day balance piece. So issues with work, uh, finances, possibly caring for um, family members, whether they be sick or not, balancing childcare, disabilities, and, and other medical needs that, uh, you know, self needs that, that folks might have. Um, so what are ways that, that we can help students access some of these resources? Uh, Sally, you wanna go first? Sure. Um, I can just talk about we do have a Padlet, um, which contains a bunch of resources, and I tried to add um, stuff from 
our folks in CAPS, um, and then all of us as faculty who contributed to that site. Um, and that one has a, a sort of a combination of resources, things about COVID-19 from the CDC. So if you want to get the latest updates about um, what Louis was talking about, like with the news, um, you can also access some of our campus resources there, which contain um, information about some of the hardship grants available. The SJC Cares, I think, is up there as well, um, as well as a couple of resources that are local to the communities here. There's um, a link that I posted that has information about um, folks who have disabilities. So if you're unable to leave your house because you have a disability and you know you want to get groceries and other things, um, there is a service that's providing um, somebody to you know come to your door and drop off like you know touchless delivery of groceries and other medical items or things like that that you might need. Um, so there's a couple of those types of resources there as well. Um, and so that has sort of a, an amalgamation of different types of resources there. Uh, Christine, you want to go next? Yeah, um, I know, for example, like, like there's been a lot of resources. Uh, I know there's a lot of resources out there for like, if, if internet is a common problem for students, if, if their internet at home is wonky, I know there's a lot of resources out there where like, companies are offering free internet or extra data. Um, so I feel like if if Zoom is hard for you to get on or if, if your internet is particularly bad, like there are many ways in which you could probably get that addressed fairly easily and quickly. Um, and, and just in terms of like a practical outcome, I know a lot of students are like concerned about, you know, their jobs, especially if, if they got laid off or furloughed from, from their work already. Uh, but there's also resources like for practical guidelines for like the, on the job end. So to give an example, um, I think Candor is the name of like a local startup company. Um, and, and they do like helping people with negotiations like during normal circumstances, but during the COVID-19 thing, they're maintaining like a live feed of companies. They're supposed to, they're specifically focused on like tech type companies. Um, but they're, they're like running a live feed of companies that are uh, hiring and which ones are hiring freezes and like, and they're updating that like constantly. So like if, if students are either looking for a job or wondering if they were applying. So I have like grad students who were applying for jobs like before this happened and now they're like, oh my God, am I ever gonna get work? Um, and instead of just worrying constantly, like does silence mean they don't want me or does silence mean, you know, it's a hiring freeze. Uh, like Candor, I think .co is their website, um, is a nice source to be able to see like, okay, you know, if, if it helps you any, like here are sources that can tell you like who's hiring and who's hiring freeze. So at least you know, right? So at least you understand what a silence might mean and you can sort of like taper your expectations that way about like, should you expect anything anytime in the near future or should you sort of look elsewhere um, if, if the company you have applied has have applied for in the past is is freezing like whatever hires they are making mm -hmm. so i think those kinds of things might be um helpful just on a practical end um but yeah everything that Sally pointed out on her padlet are also extremely useful yeah great and there's also i know there was some like some students I think in Arizona that started a, is my internship canceled like website. Oh, I think that's, really? it might actually be what it's called. Is my internship canceled dot oh, or something really? like that. Yeah. Right. If you, if people Google it, you can find it and we can probably put it on our resource list here too. Um, the career center is also uh, working. So uh, you can email our campus career center. They're helping people with, with those things or helping people with like current job searches. Um, they do have text chat enabled now. So you don't, you can, you can email or you can pop onto their website yeah. and do text chat. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Career Center, make sure that you use them too. Uh, Ellen, you want to go next? It looks like Wei Chen's about to speak. Oh, is Wei Chen going to speak? Oh, yeah, go ahead. 
I was going to, thank you, Alan. I was just going to comment that, wait, does Asian Americans ask for help? Sometimes. <laughs> yes, they do sometimes. We should. It's a process comment because it is very challenging for students to try to ask for resources for help. It's a lot of internal challenges to overcome. So I just want to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And so the resources, there are tons of website overflow information. So I have two points. Mm -hmm. One is that counseling center, we have a case manager, she, two actually, uh, they are fabulous. They actually have a lot of openings. And yeah. so make a point with them, go through the resources. They will help you to walk through the resources. That's wonderful. Second thing, second point is that, uh, remember, if you know resources, don't afraid to post again. Because a lot of people are so humble, like, hey, I saw this information. I should not post it again or repost. Please repost because you never know who will need that information. Overflowing information, it's a constant norm right now. So mm -hmm. one thing is that if it's some resources you think it's going to be helpful student, please feel free to resend. Mm -hmm. And Instagram is good. I'm learning about it. I have no idea what Twitter looks like. And so just the two points. Thank you. Yeah, and I want to add real quickly that for those um, students who are actually in Santa Clara County, they're doing a really good job of updating their residents actually. So if you're um, familiar with Nextdoor um, website, they send a lot of updates about resources and stuff through, through that website too. So I think that's really helpful um, in, in keeping us updated too. We're bombarded with so much information, so. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with everything. Yeah, they're also broadcasting on Twitter. Um, and the governor's office is also really active on Twitter too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luis, did you want to add something? I actually, Bonnie, don't have much to add. I think everyone just did a great job. You know, uh, I just want to point out, you know, the, the website for San Jose State University has a lot of resources for students. So I really highly encourage everyone to, to check it out, the students in particular. Um, yeah. Great, thanks. Uh, so that's that's good. kind of the conclusion of all of our of our discussion topics that we had. Like, um, does anybody have anything else that they'd like to add to the discussion? Or the final thoughts. Just to add for those students who are who may also come from um, have family members who are undocumented. Um, that there are some resources available through that um, Padlet um, that we've added to and to uh, make sure that they are uh, on, connected with our campus um, on Docu Resource Center. Um, they're doing a really good job of sending out newsletters um, and including um, resources for healthcare um, services um, when you don't have the documentation, I still um, very encouraged and, and for folks to use those. Yeah, for sure. If you're not on their newsletter, you should totally join it. It's a really good one. Anybody else? Well, we want to thank you, Bonnie and Chris, for putting this up, and you know, thank everyone as well. 
we had this panel, we had this chance to, uh, to talk and uh, um, inform our students and, and people in general about, you know, how they can um, help themselves uh, during this pandemic. So. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Um, it's, it's good to have lots of different perspectives and views on ways that people can help, you know, take care of themselves and others. And so, you know, not uh, everybody uses a different technique for themselves. So it's good to hear uh, a diversity of, of thoughts and experiences around that. So thank you so much for, for all for your willingness to participate in this panel. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for moderating. Of course. Bye. Hope everyone stays healthy and take care of themselves. Yes, for sure. Live long and prosper. Yes. It's a new, it's a new greeting yeah. for everybody. As I, I'm, I'm resorting to this or bowing to people. Yeah, I started doing this. I started doing this before, before it was my, I started doing elbows and then I was like, no, this is better. Oh. So we're not touching touchless, at all. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a touchless greeting. Yeah. Yeah. So, social distance between fingers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks so much. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy out there. If you need resources, let us know. We can get you in touch with people. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone.